Hello and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Wolf Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you for joining me once again. If you haven't clicked subscribe or that follow button, hey, do it right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday and you're going to want to check them out. Don't forget, you can also follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. Today on the show, we go back to school back to school not adam sandler no (laughs) we talk about getting your routine with your dog better for going back to school look guys you've been home all summer you know you've been around your dog and your dog's used to you being around and all of a sudden you're not around anymore so we're going to talk about how to how to take care of that then we have the life of nemo we're going to talk about my dog captain nemo some of his anxiety issues that we've conquered and that you know we've gotten past how you guys can do that too with your rescue dog that maybe you find you're hitting a wall with you know uh, then we're going to have the first pets followed by the listener q a and if you guys have any questions for the listener q a you can email me questions at speakadogcast.com. Feel free to also message me on social media too. Any questions, dog-related, training-related, animal-related, you name it, send it on over. Keep them coming my way. Now, before we get going with the show today, I have to give you that trivia question. Today's question is going to be, what was the first living creature sent into space? Yes, what was the first living creature sent into outer space? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's show. So be sure you stick around. Sit. Stay and enjoy the podcast. Next on Speak a Dogcast, back to school. It's that time of year again for us down in Florida. It's been that time for a couple weeks. Uh, Kids have been back in school for a little while, but up north, you know, Labor Day tends to be the time that uh, school starts up again and it can affect your dog, right? Of course it can. Your dog gets used to a summer routine, people being around all the time, a lot of attention, a lot of fun activities maybe, and then all of a sudden school comes back and not so much. (laughs) You know, it's interesting for me, at least for myself, August tends to be usually a slower month for me. Uh, It tends to be slower, and then all of a sudden September and October consistently pick up. And I've seen this over the years, and, and I really attribute it to the fact that, again, summer routine, dog gets thrown off, or maybe we didn't address certain behaviors because everybody was home and it was easier to deal with it because the dog was tired, but now the dog's not tired because we're not walking it as much anymore. And all of a sudden behavioral issues come up, you know? Uh, So I've seen it actually year after year, September, October picks right up because it's after school starts up. It's after everybody gets into their routine and all of a sudden the dog is out of it's their routine, their routine, their routine. There you go. Uh, (laughs) So Interestingly enough, back to school is an important time in your training. It is because you have to remember your dog's routine is getting all kinds of screwed up and you just, you don't want to let that happen, you know, as much as you possibly can. So what you have to do is kind of create a new routine. You know, that's, that's where it's going to start when it comes to back to, uh, back to school with your dog, you have to create routine. Now, the awesome thing is if you have a family with a bunch of kids and mom and dad, Good news is that actually can work to your advantage when it comes to this new routine with your dog. Because, look, I've said it before, there's another segment I did where it's uh, titled Takes a Village, right? Because it takes a village. It takes your whole family to train your dog properly. If everybody contributes a little bit here, a little bit there, then the bulk of the work doesn't fall on, you know, that burden doesn't fall on only one or two people. And it allows us to get a lot more done in shorter sense of time. So... Let's say we have, you know, I'll give you an example. When I grew up, there was uh, three of us in our family. I'm the youngest, and I had an older brother and an older sister. And at one point, my brother was in high school, my sister was in middle school, and I was in elementary school at the same time. So 
that means three completely different schedules, <laughs> you know, kind of a nightmare for a parent. But at the same time, it, like I said, it can actually, this can help. Okay. So stay with me here. Let's say, and I'm trying to remember, I want to say elementary, no, no, high school started first, of course. High school was like 7, 7.15, uh, elementary school was like 8.30, and I believe middle school was like 9.15, something like that. So uh, that time in between the three. So my brother would be out the door usually by 6.45, let's be realistic, 7, uh, <laughs> for that 7.15 bell. Um, and my, I, I would walk out the door probably around 8.20, 8.25, eh, about 8.20, because I could walk to my elementary school. It was awesome. And then my sister had to leave for the bus stop around 8.45. Now, there's some gaps in there and in the time. And of course, we're not all going to wake up at the same time. This works to our advantage. So let's just like go through the day. My mom would usually, I think, wake up maybe 4.35 a.m., probably about 5, uh, to, wake, to, to get up a little bit, take the dog out, right? She took Ashley, our dog, out let her do her business, come back in. Now, ideally, my mom should have taken Ashley for a walk. Uh, we didn't walk Ashley like we should have. <laughs> uh, I call my family out. Hey, you know, lack of understanding, but that's all right. She was a shih tzu, you know, so it's not like we weren't walking the lab. Um, Ashley, Ashley had a lot of stimulation otherwise, though, so that was good. But anyway, ideally, you know, get up. First parent's going to wake up, take the dog out. Now, ideally, we should go for a walk, then come back from the walk, maybe spend five, 10 minutes running over some commands, five, come on, two or three minutes even is wonderful. It doesn't have to be five or 10 minutes because I can hear you guys going, David, 10 minutes is a lot of time in my morning. I get it. But look, you got to do what you got to do for your dog. Okay. This is why I get the phone calls in September and October because people don't walk in their dogs. They aren't stimulating their dogs, right? It's more than just the walk, but starts there. Okay. So the walk is the first thing neglected. It really is guys. It's the first thing neglected, unless you absolutely have to walk your dog to let them do their business. And even then most of the time, the walks there aren't walks. Um, that's the first thing that goes out the door. So it's a shame and you got to make time for it. So again, wake up, let them do their business. First person, first, usually the mom or dad waking up first. Okay. Taking the dog out, doing their business, going for a walk, coming back. If we have to let their stomach settle, we let their stomach settle and then we feed them. You know, I try to incorporate it with my routine because, you know, even my own dogs have bigger, you know, we have to worry about bloat and worry about our exercise and timing and all that good stuff. So if I go for a walk and my dogs have to settle their stomach after, look, the good news is if you do a walk properly, they should come back and be a little tired. Okay. That's the truth. So usually my dogs come back and take a little nap and I let them settle their stomach. And while they're doing that, I go do something else. Usually jump in the shower, make breakfast, something like that. And by the time I'm done with that part of my routine, they're ready to eat. Okay. I take advantage of my timing the best that I possibly can, uh, to fit in my own routine and my dog's routine. You see, so something to think about there. Now, by this time, hopefully the first kid's waking up, probably my brother for high school, uh, he was going to be the first one to wake up. So, hey, he should wake up and play with the, well, actually, he's the high schooler. What am I saying? He should wake up and take the dog for a second walk. Again, taking into consideration if the dog's had enough time to settle their stomach. But yes, they sh he should be taking him, my brother should be taking him for a walk uh, first thing in the morning as a second walk, Okay. This way, your dog is having almost like nonstop activity stimulation going on from the time the first person wakes up to the time the last person leaves, okay? So after that, of course, we have the next kid waking up. Well, middle school kid can maybe do some tricks, maybe do a short walk, a five, 10 minute walk, maybe just some walking and leash work in the driveway. Come back inside, work on commands for two or three minutes. Parents, you should be giving your kids tasks to accomplish before they go to school. And this is an awesome one. 
because it can create bonding with their dog, it enhances their relationship with the dog, and most importantly, gives the dog stimulation, right? Third kid wakes up, it's the youngest kid. So hey, they can do more playtime, throwing the tennis ball, getting them exhausted, but they can also run through some commands with the dog. Awesome, this dog is getting a ton of physical and mental energy out. Where's the second parent in all this? I mean, you know, they sleeping until 10 a.m.? No. (laughs) At some point they wake up and they're incorporating all these things. Guys, you can get so much work done with your dog in two to three hours if everybody in the family contributes. Now, I know not everybody has that advantage. Look, even my own, you know, my wife and I, we don't have kids. Uh, It's the two of us. And on mornings I wanna wake up and do something different, My wife's got to pull the weight a little bit, you know, it's what we got to do. Um, So it's something to really consider that this needs to be a team effort. Getting back to school can actually be awesome in that we can bring everybody together to help our dog be stimulated, you know, to help them be fulfilled. So by the time the last person leaves and they're off, the dog is passed out. (laughs) Your dog is going to be exhausted and take a nice long nap while everybody's at work. Everybody's at school. You know, and then when the first person comes home, guess what? It's time for some playtime, some stimulation, a walk. We can start our routine over again. But if everybody's contributing just a few minutes here, a few minutes there, each person's only doing, you know, I mean, sure. Look, the parents should probably do a lot uh, more of the work than the kids should. Don't get me wrong. Um, But each person is really only doing 20, maybe 30 minutes of work at most with their dog each day. That's what it should be, guys. That's what it takes to keep your dogs stimulated and happy. Now, I don't want to poo-poo the fact, I just kind of want to make a a side note, I don't want to poo-poo the fact that I said, oh, I ate a Shih Tzu growing up, so you know, yeah, I don't really need stimulation. Little side note, they still need stimulation, and my family should have walked our dog every day. We should have. Doesn't need to be a crazy hour-long walk. Look, there's the advantage, guys. If you match your breed to your family and your lifestyle, my Shih Tzu only needed like a 30-minute walk, and if each of us had done like 10 minutes, that would have been, I don't know, a 40, 50 minute walk if you know if everybody in the family had done it, okay? And that's more than she even needed, so we wouldn't even need to do that. So think about the breed you're getting, right? And while every dog still needs a proper daily walk, the amount, the time you do it, that varies breed to breed and dog to dog, okay? But the stimulation never, never changes. Every dog needs that mental stimulation, that mental fulfillment, as well as the physical stimulation. Um, So getting back to school doesn't have to be this horrible thing, you know? Incorporate your dogs into your routine. Have everybody in your family contribute. And it really takes a lot of that burden off and it's gonna make your dog happier. Like I promise, guys, okay? When you get home, again though, don't forget, your dog still needs some stimulation, still needs something to do. I know you guys have after school activities, you've got work till five o'clock, I get it. But when you come home, don't forget to spend that extra 10 minutes with your dog, even if it's just snuggle time. I'll take it, guys. I'll take it. I would prefer a lot of the mental stuff first and then the snuggle time because I'm all for the snuggle time, okay? <laughs> but make sure you're giving your dog that mental fulfillment that they need as well, okay? Uh, yeah, you know, getting back to school can be a little tough. Um, I, I'm glad I don't have to do it anymore. Uh, <laughs> sorry, kids, kind of stinks, but hey, get your good grades and it pays off, right? Uh, but get out there. Work your dogs, make everybody a part of it, and it'll be a lot easier getting back to school. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. 
No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services, such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak a Dogcast, The Life of Nemo. No, it's not the life of Brian. <laughs> it's the life of Nemo, Captain Nemo. He is my dog. He's my wife. My wife and I got him uh, actually about a year ago, uh, just over a year ago. So it's perfectly time that we're doing the one year anniversary of adopting Captain Nemo. Uh, but we adopted him and he came to us as Nemo. We actually added the captain in front of it. <laughs> I like that. So we have a captain and a commander. We have Commander Riker and Captain Nemo. It's awesome. Uh, Anyway, so we got Nemo, and there was a lot of discussion before we adopted another dog, of course, as there should be. And look, it's so funny how the universe works, isn't it? And I had to open my big mouth and say, I want a bit of a challenge. (laughs) Boy, did the universe serve that to me on a silver platter. We got Captain Nemo. What a challenge it's been. And that's just it. You know, I want to talk about his story a little bit today. You know, I haven't talked about my own dogs in a little while, so that's that's part of it. But the other part of it is that Nemo's story relates to a lot of you out there. It applies to a lot of you out there. Because if there are any of you guys that have adopted a dog and just felt like you hit a brick wall with their behavior, with their training, you just hit your head against a wall over and over and over because no matter what you do, you cannot get that behavior to progress. I feel your pain. I'm a professional and I'm telling you, this dog has given me a run for my money. Now he is a sweetheart and he has really settled down a lot and he's become really just phenomenal. Uh, He's really getting there. He's really just becoming an awesome dog. His focus, his leash work, his everything, just night and day. It is a different universe from where we started with this dog. But I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you guys, it took patience. It took time. It took patience. It took patience. It took patience. Did I mention that it took patience? And more than that time, no, more than that patience. Oh my gosh, which one was more? I don't even know. I mean, my head is spinning thinking about it, okay? (laughs) So look, let me tell you about some of Nemo's issues. You ready for it? Here's the laundry list, the short one. And again, when we adopted him, we knew. We knew he had these issues when we got him. The rescue made that very clear and we understood that. But again, I wanted the challenge. And look, I'll be honest. Part of it is I wanted a dog that they were going to have trouble placing in a home. You know, that's the truth. I, I wanted a dog that, well, they'd already had trouble placing Nemo, actually. He'd already been placed twice and returned twice. Um, and it, yeah, it tugged at my heartstrings a little bit. And I wanted to take a dog that we could help. You know, we're, we, we're more well-equipped in our home, obviously, with what I do. Uh, we're more well-equipped to take on a dog like that and take on that responsibility. And obviously, you know, I know what I'm doing. I'm training. But even with all that, it was still a challenge. So let me let me give you the rundown. You ready for it? Nemo did not know how to walk on a leash well, like not whatsoever, pulled like crazy. Nemo had severe separation anxiety. He could not be created. He would destroy anything in his crate, go nuts, bark, yell, scream. He was nuts. You couldn't put Nemo in a car. 
Nemo would react to other cars. He would go nuts in the car, bark, scream, go nuts, go crazy, couldn't sit still in the car. Uh, he would actually go after cars. If we were out on the walk, didn't matter. Cars going 25 miles an hour, 45 miles an hour, bark, lunging, going after it. Nemo used to be crazy in the house, had no sense of boundaries, jumping all over the furniture, jumping all over everything, like a damn ping pong ball. He would put his feet up on the counter and try to get food off the counter, had no sense of boundaries with food whatsoever. Nemo wouldn't sit still. We brought him in the house and he just, from the day we brought him home, paced like you wouldn't believe at a constant rate. Pace, 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 All around the house constantly. Would not sit still. His anxiety was so severe. Nemo also got a little hot sometimes. He'd get a little defensive because, quite frankly, I think Nemo had some traumatizing experiences in his life before he came to our home. You know? Um, Nemo had a kink, has a kink tail. And I'll tell you, if you see any pictures of him, uh, Nemo has a kink tail and he came to the rescue like this all healed up. They don't know what happened. They don't know his full history. Uh, but Nemo actually has a right angle in his tail. And at some point, you know, the tail might have gotten stuck in something or crushed or, you know, who knows, unfortunately. Um, and it didn't heal back properly. You know, whoever was, uh, I guess, I mean, you can call it taking care of him. But they clearly weren't taking care of him. Uh, his, his tail actually healed back improperly and it's at a right angle. Now, the good news is he's not in any pain. It doesn't hurt him. It doesn't affect him. All is well with the tail, fully functional, you know, just right angle. Kind of wanted to call him righty for a little while, you know, <laughs> we stuck with the Captain Nemo. Um, anyway, so laundry list, laundry. He did. Oh my God. He didn't know how to play well. I, I mean, somewhat he played okay, but especially if we got out in the, in like the dog yard and he'd start cutting it up and running around, he'd play very intense. We had to take the intensity of his play down. Like you wouldn't believe he had zero focus. I mean, this dog just didn't know how to focus. So just, it keeps going and going, keeps going and going. And he was a challenge and a half guys, challenge and a half. So I'm here to tell you there's hope. <laughs> okay. There can be hope with your rescue dogs. Nemo is really settling down. He's become phenomenal. He's a member of our family, a member of the pack. Um, look, we've got five acres and I can actually work him off leash now. He's not perfect. I don't expect him to be. I don't expect with his bad, <laughs> as bad as his anxiety was and his issues were, um, I don't expect perfection, but he's doing like really well off leash outside. His focus is night and day. I can actually get him to stop chasing a rabbit completely off leash with him away from me now. Um, it just, just, I, I, there's so many good things I can say. He snuggles. He's such a little snuggler. He loves circling up in a blanket. Um, or he'll come. I love it when he comes and just plops on you, plops his head right on you. Softest, biggest ears. I love it. Um, so, you know, I could ramble on and on and on, but what I want to get to is, guys, do you know what solved all these problems? That's what I know some of you want to hear out there. David, well, how'd you get through to them? Time, patience, consistency, understanding, and training. That's it. And then the training under that training umbrella is the exercise and discipline, right? That's what training is. A ton of exercise for this dog ton of exercise. Guys, Nemo is a different dog when you walk him consistently as he, come on, he's a coonhound. Know what he is. Knowledge. There's that understanding side of it. Understanding what he is at his core and how to fulfill that. That's a huge, huge component of helping a dog that has severe anxiety issues, a rescue. Okay. So if you have a dog out there that you're having issues with that you've rescued and that it came to you with some baggage, Guys, if you aren't exercising your dog extensively every day, again, depends on the breed and size, 
If you have a Shih Tzu out there, again, we, you know, we just talked about this, you should be walking 30 minutes a day, every day, maybe even twice a day, depending on the weather. Okay? Obviously be careful. Short snouted dogs, got to be careful in the heat, extreme weather. Okay? But still, you should be exercising your dog. And if they're not getting that proper walk, proper exercise, and proper stimulation, that's going to put such a kink in your training and being able to help a dog that has those anxiety issues. Okay. Now, another side of it is the mental side, the structure side, the rule side, little things, guys, making your dog sit and stay before you let him out of a crate. Also, if you have an anxious dog, you should be introducing the crate. Kind of depends on the, you know, how, and again, with Nemo, it wasn't just this black and white, hey, put him in the crate, feed him in there and all as well. Guys, it took months. It took months and months to get him calm in the crate. That's not your average case. That's not your average rescue dog. But for him, it took an, an incredibly long time. Now he's walking in there on his own accord uh, and he's doing really well. But anyway, um, yeah, it starts with making him sit and stay coming out of the crate. Sit and stay and wait for your food until I release you. Sit and stay going out the front door. Leash work. Are you following me? Are you focused? Are you leading me? If, if you can control these little moments and teach your dog to focus on you and create control out of it, it tends to make the anxiety really go away. Okay, that combined with the exercise, of course. Now, I'm not saying don't play with your dog, okay? Playtime is an important aspect of it because it definitely gets that physical level uh, of energy down. And of course, it's just fun for your dog and you want to have fun. Fun is a part of bonding. Um, but if your dog has some anxiety issues, you got to start with the core stuff. The walks, the discipline, the rules, and the boundaries, okay? You have to be able to tell your dog what you like and what you don't like. What's acceptable behavior? What isn't acceptable? I mean, we had to do that with Nemo a lot, guys. I had to correct his behavior a lot. Because if I didn't correct it, you know what he'd do? He'd keep doing all those things. He'd keep ticking off other dogs out in the yard because he's playing really intense. And if I don't go over there and tell him to stop, make him lie down, put him in a stay and reset and make him calm down, he's just going to keep doing it. But then he starts connecting day after day. This guy corrects me every time I get really crazy. But if I play calmly, he lets me play. Oh, I get it now. Okay, like, that's, it's not quite the thought process of your dog, but you know, it's the thought process of your dog. So you have to step in and you have to be able to take a leader role, take an active leadership role with your dog when they have anxiety issues. That's what helps solve it. And look, a dog like a blue tick coonhound, any of you know, if any of you have had experience with blue ticks, they, they're, very, they're known to be very, very sweet and very affectionate. At the same time, they're a very intense working dog. Very intense. They're known to find a scent and not give up. They'll go 30 miles plus without stopping, without hesitation. They're an intense breed and that's what they're bred to be. So if you don't get that intensity out in a healthy way, like Nemo was doing, he'll get it out in an unhealthy way. Okay. Now we've created structure, routine, discipline, exercise, stimulation, and affection with him. And man, he's a much better dog. Like I can't even, uh, can't even begin to tell you what a different dog this, this guy is. It's just, it feels good too. You know, there is that, there is that intrinsic part of it that it's like, yeah, it feels really good to have conquered that. You know, <laughs> just uh, give you a funny thing. My wife and I installed floor, some flooring ourselves and it's work, right? It's work, but we did it and it looks beautiful. I'll be honest, it looks better than the professional job <clears throat> done in the room next door. It does. And it feels damn good to have that accomplishment. And it's no different with, with Nemo. I mean, it's the same kind of thing to put in that work, put in that time, put in that effort, put in that care, you know, to, to put that level of love and care into something. 
and see the result in you. It's got to be, I, I don't know from firsthand experience, I would assume raising a kid has got to be that feeling times like a gajillion, <laughs> you know, uh, it's that, that's, that's what it is. So if you want to help your anxious dog, guys, you have to do all those things I just talked about. Rules, discipline, boundaries, tough love first, and a ton of exercise. I Look, I can't stress it enough. If you don't take anything else, I say this sometimes in my segments, if you can only take one thing from this segment right now, if you have an anxious dog that you've rescued and you don't know what to do, exercise, exercise, exercise. Walks, walks, walks. Proper walks, a good walk, a a mentally stimulating walk. Let's not forget, guys, walks are 85% mental and only 15% physical. Concentrate on that mental side and it's going to do wonders for your anxious dog. But the other biggest thing, you know, I'll give you two takeaways. The other, the, the second biggest takeaway you need to take from having a rescue dog with, with behavioral issues, severe behavioral issues, patience. Patience, guys. Patience. And what is patience? Time. It takes time to heal wounds. Some of these dogs are very traumatized. Nima was very traumatized, clearly. And with time, with patience, care, love, understanding, discipline, he's a different dog. And it is, it's an awesome feeling, I'm sure, for him. I can't prove it, but I'm sure it is. Seems very content lying on the couch, passed out right now. Um, and it's a damn good feeling for me. And my wife, you know, the time she put in, the effort she's put in. I'm really, speaking of, I'm very proud of my wife. Um, she really has stepped up with Nemo and and really just gone above and beyond with working with him. And it's really awesome. And it's nice to see the results, not only for myself, but from her too. And guys, she's not a professional. It's not what she does for a living. So <laughs> the fact that she's willing to put in that time and care just really shows her love and dedication to him as well. Takes Takes a village, right? So remember that, guys. Get out there and do what's best for your anxious dog, and the results will be amazing. The answer to today's trivia question, what was the first living creature sent into space? It was the fruit fly. Yes, while many flights into space may have accidentally carried bacteria or other forms of life on board, the first living creatures that were intentionally sent into space were fruit flies. They were transported aboard a V-2 rocket on February 20th, 1947. Next on Speak Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today on the first pets, we'll be talking about John Tyler. Now, John Tyler became president of the United States after the shortest lived president, William Henry Harrison, passed away after only one month in office. Now, Tyler was the first vice president to assume the role of the president, becoming the 10th president of the U.S. from 1841 to 1845. Entering the office as a widower, Tyler married his second wife, Julia, while he was president. Now, the couple had a few animals together while they were in the White House. As with a lot of the early presidents, they did have a horse, and his name was The General. They did also have a canary named Johnny Ty, who unfortunately died shortly after they tried to breed it with another bird. 
Later on, they discovered the other bird was also a male, so that wasn't going to work out so well. President Tyler also imported a pair of wolfhounds for Julia, and he even surprised her with an Italian greyhound, which he ordered from the consul in Naples. Now, back then, of course, we didn't just have Italian greyhound breeders all around the United States, so what else do you do but get a dog from Italy? The dog made its way on a boat, Where? what else would he use, across the Atlantic first to New York City, where he spent a few weeks with Julia's mother first. Now, Julia's mother then sent the dog over with a letter attached saying, I think a great deal of him, but I would not take such a pet for a gift. AKA, I don't think she was really a dog person. <laughs> the dog was named Lebeau, French for beautiful one. Now, the puppy did tear up a few things around the White House, such as rugs and furniture. Not so good. And although Julia did believe the dog needed, quote, attention and discipline, she said, Lebeau is perfectly well and hearty and has the most unfailing attention, which I guess back then is a way of saying she loved the dog. <laughs> Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Marty from St. Petersburg, Florida. Marty says, I have a bird question for you. My wife has an African gray parrot. She loves this bird, and he gets along fine with, my, with her and even my dog. But he doesn't like me. I didn't do anything to make this bird mad. I fill up his food and water all the time, but he'll go right over to the dish, pick up pieces of the food, and spit it out at me. Is there any hope of this bird ever liking me? Okay, Marty. Bird question. I love it. That is awesome. Birds are more complicated, as I'm sure you already know. Um, <laughs> look, birds are known, you know, parrots they're especially, they're known for, for potentially having one person that they become too attached to. Uh, sometimes <laughs> it can be very difficult it can be to undo. Now, I don't know how old this bird is, how long this has been going on, but obviously with anything, the longer it's been going on, the more strength in the pattern is, the more strength in the pattern is, pattern is the harder it is to undo. Now, there are some things you can do to fix this. First thing I'm going to suggest, because I'm already hearing it, is that you're free feeding your bird. I would highly suggest not doing that. First thing, look, you really should be weighing your bird daily if you're going to be not free feeding. Um, and please do your research because I'm not going into depth on this <laughs> on this Q&A because this will be a whole 30-minute segment. Um, but you need to know your bird, know what their proper weight should be, know what a healthy weight is, and you need to start weighing their food as well, you know? Um, and making sure, and like even for that matter, even if you don't want to go to that level, don't free feed them. Only put the bowl in a little bit and give them a little less food. No, I don't want you to starve them. That's not what I'm saying. So again, please do more research. Please do more reading and make sure you're doing it in a way that's healthy for your bird. Okay. Um, but I would suggest not giving the free food a bowl because the, the reality is you, you're giving your bird everything, affection and food, and it has no reason to do anything any other way. Okay. So birds are a little tricky like that. You got to be careful. Now, one little tip I can give you right away is if your wife has a special treat that the bird really likes, you know, if there's a particular treat, a particular piece of fruit, a particular bird treat, uh, whatever it might be, hey, it might just be a piece of a saltine cracker, you know, um, whatever it is, if the bird really loves it, your wife has to stop giving that treat to the bird. Stop altogether. Okay. I would highly suggest waiting two or three weeks without giving any of those treats to the bird. And then after two or three weeks, you're going to try to give the bird a treat through the cage very carefully. 
Okay, I don't want you losing any fingers uh, here, Marty, okay? Um, so be careful out there. But yeah, you want to try to associate yourself as something obviously good, right? You don't want to be the bad guy. So if you can associate the bird's favorite treat with you as opposed to your wife, that's going to go a long way. Okay. But another thing is if your bird knows tricks, if the bird knows tricks, try to start getting the bird to do the tricks for the treats. Believe it or not, working your bird and giving your bird something to do, keeping them stimulated is actually going to make them more apt to want to like you. I know, crazy thought, work your animals and keep them stimulated, give your animals something to do, make them work for their food, and it actually works, David? Yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> I know, being a little smart. But no, it's the truth. And I know, look, Marty, easier, easier said than done. This bird hates you. You know, it's not a matter of just that. And for that matter, your wife should be working the bird too. Now, your wife, the, the bird will probably work for affection for your wife. So you don't even, she doesn't need to use food. She doesn't need to use treats. She can just rely on the affection. And I want you to be the source of the good stuff. You know what I'm saying? So there's a couple different things, a couple different angles you can hit it at. Your wife can also withhold her affection. Only utilize it when she's doing training opportunities and try to withhold her affection for a little while. So the bird wants to look to you for more. You know, uh, those are the ways to kind of correct those imbalances. But look, Birds are tricky. It's not that black and white always. So you got to be a little more careful there, but feel free to reach out to me if you have any more questions about it. Next question. This comes from Peter from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Peter says, I have a dog, but that's not what my question is about. I also have a cat. He has been starting to mark around the house out of nowhere. He still uses the litter box, but he'll also use the house. It doesn't really seem to be anywhere in particular either. What can I do to stop this? Now, I'm guessing... Um, you're saying doesn't seem to be anywhere in particular as in like he's choosing multiple spots. Uh, Peter, I think that's what you're saying. And so there may not be some consistency to where he's marking, but that mean, that may mean there is some consistency because maybe he's marking the whole house. He's marking the whole perimeter. Uh, that could be what's going on there. Now, look, I love that. By the way, I love that we're getting non-dog questions. This is awesome because this, hey, like I said, questions about anything. Let's talk about it. Cats are also kind of like birds in a way that they're tricky, right? They're particular, not like birds, but they're not the same. You know what I'm saying, though? They can be tricky in particular. Uh, look, I'll tell you about an interesting case I had years ago. Uh, I got a phone call from somebody about a cat. And um, it was actually, they had three cats. And all three cats had lived together for years. And the youngest cat, who was four years old and had been there since it was a kitten, no issues between the cats, nothing, nothing even going on currently when she called me. However, the third youngest cat started marking. And most of the time it was particularly started marking on their closet doors and things like this. Uh, but that wasn't even, it wasn't even really relevant. So it took some digging to find out what really happened here. And so I'm kind of going to give you the, the, the quick story to put a long, you know, make a long story short about a year it, the, the marking had been going on for almost a year, and just about a year before that, something in the owner's routine had changed. Now, this was very particular. The owner used to sit on the couch every single night with this cat, with this particular blanket, and watch TV. And the cat would come over and start suckling on the blanket and kneading the blanket. Now, about a year, okay, about a year before she had stopped the routine. And wouldn't you know it, that's when the peeing started. Now, it took, like I said, it took a little digging and thinking and really discussing her routine, what had changed in their lives, if there was anything that had changed. And it took the second time meeting her, meeting them for her to remember this and go, you know something? I don't sit down like I used to. I don't have time. I'm so exhausted. I go to bed now. I said, so you don't sit on the couch and the cat doesn't do, nope, she doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't do that anymore, rather. Aha. I said, you got to go back to that. Sure enough, she went back to the routine of sitting on the couch for just a little while each night. 
the cat would come up, started suckling, and the marking stopped. Fascinating. Like, wow. Uh, cats are weird, man. <laughs> you know, this is where cats are tough. Dogs are more straightforward than this. Um, and that's my point. You got to do a little digging sometimes. Now, this could be more of a quick behavioral thing that maybe you just need to add a second litter box. Uh, and that may even be just a temporary thing. You can try even adding two litter boxes, okay? Two more. Having three litter boxes around the house, see if that helps, okay? But what I want you to do is dig a little bit into your behavior and see if anything in your routine has changed. Are there any changes to your life, environmental or patterns with what you're doing or something you're not doing anymore? Is there something different? Is there more stress in your cat's life or something going on in your personal life? You kind of have to dig a little there and see if you can figure that out, okay? That's where I'd start with it and trying to fix it. Uh, but like I said, you can always try the multiple litter box method. That's always a good start. Um, and more importantly, the you know, I actually should have said this to begin with, the first thing you should do, and I hope you have, take your cat to the, your vet. Make sure you get a thorough checkup, check the blood work, all that good stuff, check their urine, uh, make sure he's doing okay, because it could be something medical uh, that's come out of nowhere, and, you're, you know, and, and your cat is responding uh, by urinating everywhere. That could be the case. So definitely get your cat a good medical workup, make sure everything's going on physically okay, and if we can rule out all the physical and medical side, then we got to turn to the behavioral side. So uh, I know there's a lot there, but hey, I, I hope that helps you out. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. Hey, if you love what you're hearing, click that five-star rating. Find me on Instagram at speakadogcast. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Walk your dog.